Good morning. Welcome to Connection Point Church, and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad that you're with us this morning. Let's go ahead and get it out there. It was a heartbreaker last night for those Boilermakers. Hopefully you came forward for prayer this morning. God met you there. <laughs> uh, but they had a good season. I mean, they really did. So I'm glad for them. Looking forward to good things next year as well. Uh, Shelly and I were in Missouri this past week visiting with family and uh, just had some time with our kids for their spring break. Had a great time visiting the largest Bass Pro in the world. Get lost in there. It was a good time, uh, but really enjoyed time with family, but always great to come home. Uh, great to come back to West Lafayette. We, uh, we miss being here when we're not here. Uh, glad to be a part of this community. We count it a privilege. Uh, glad for our kids to have the opportunities they have and activities and making friendships. I'm glad to be in a college town. There's something about a college town, isn't there? There's something about it. We love it. We really do. We love that we're a part of uh, reaching the next generation. What a blessing. I'm glad to be two hours from Chicago. We like Chicago. Some of you may not. That's all right. <laughs> uh, but we're glad. Glad to be able to be here. And we're glad to be a part of a community that is committed to extending the invitation to the community in which we live. But I also know we can't really extend that invitation very well if we have not fully accepted that invitation ourselves. We've got to start there. And where I left off two weeks ago was with a rich ruler who was given this great invitation. And where we're going to pick up today as we continue our series in Luke is we also have another rich and powerful man who receives this invitation, but his response is very different than the rich ruler. He actually serves as a great example for us of what it looks like for people who understand the invitation to follow Jesus as the greatest opportunity in the world and what it looks like to then follow Jesus in that way. So we're going to look at that passage today. It helps us to see more clearly how it is that we've been given this invitation and how we can appropriately respond to the love of Jesus in our lives. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you've got God's word with you. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that because we want you in God's word. And, and if you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the chair in front of you. Welcome to borrow that. If you don't have one at home, take it home with you. We want you to have access daily to God's word. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. We simply stand to say, thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. And we're going to take those words to heart. So we're in Luke chapter 19. We are plowing through. We are going to finish Luke, kind of this year, <laughs> January. We'll finish in January of next year, so we're close. We're not, we're not too far. But Luke 19, he entered Jericho, Luke writing about Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. 
So two weeks ago, we were, we've been in this passage in Luke, and, and Jesus tells the crowd that to enter into the kingdom of God, you must receive the kingdom like a child, that you've got to approach it that way. And it appears that within this crowd, there was this rich ruler who began to question in his mind, well, well then how am I a rich and powerful man supposed to enter the kingdom if you must enter it like a child? And so he asked Jesus, well, Jesus, what must I, or he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to honor your father and mother. You need to not commit adultery. And he kind of runs through a, a list of a few commandments that at the heart of it was saying you need to love other people well. And, and the rich ruler, he takes a sigh of relief like, whew, well, since my youth, I've done these things, so I'm good. But then Jesus says, well, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come, follow me. And it says in our passage that at this saying, the, the rich man became sad because he was a man of great means. And what we pointed out from this passage is it seems that this rich man, he desired more what earth could give than what heaven had offered. And so for all of us, we need to examine our hearts. Where are we at in following Jesus? Do we desire more what earth can give us? Or do we desire more what heaven has offered us? Where does our treasure lay? Where is our heart's desire? Where is our passion found? Basically what this rich man was asking, he was asking, Jesus, what is the minimum I must do or believe in order to get into heaven? That's the wrong question. Because as we look at our passage today, what a different response we have. Zacchaeus is not asking the question, Jesus, what's the minimum? What's the minimum I must do or believe in order to enter heaven? Zacchaeus never asks that question. Instead, he looks at Jesus and says, I want to follow him wholeheartedly. That's basically what his response is. So it's wonderful to look at these two examples this morning to be able to determine where is our heart this morning? In what way have we chosen to follow Jesus? Are we looking for the minimum life? Or are we wanting to live the maximum life that we're offered in Jesus? And the way that we can determine the difference is whether or not you really look at the invitation of Jesus to be the greatest invitation you've ever been given in life. Is following Jesus the greatest opportunity you've ever been given or not? Because if it is, then our response should be much like Zacchaeus. If the invitation to follow Jesus, if we view it as the greatest invitation we've ever been given in life, what do we find from our passage? Then we don't allow obstacles to get in the way of us receiving it. If the invitation to follow Jesus is the greatest invitation we've ever been given, there is no obstacle that can keep us from receiving it. So last week, Pastor Mark, oh no, is, is he in a meeting this morning? We wanted to applaud his ability to preach last week. You'll have to find Pastor Mark on your own. He shared a great message last week. <laughs> and also give him a hard time that he wasn't here this morning when I called his name. But for Pastor Mark, he shared a great message. And what do we find? We find a rich ruler who was sad and departed from Jesus. But then he approaches a blind Bartimaeus. And what does he say? I want to see May that be the heart of us all. May that be the heart of that rich ruler that would say, oh Jesus, I want to see. And if you want to see, well then Jesus says, here's some obstacles you need to get rid of so that you can see more clearly and follow me. 
And then as he's going into Jericho and, and about to pass outside of it, who does he encounter? Another person who wants to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wants to see him. The problem is he's five foot nothing. And there's a big crowd that's there. And so he can't see over the crowd. And typically in Middle Eastern culture, just our culture would be the same. People would get out of the way, you know, let the smaller person in front, the, the person the size of a child, you know, so that they can see. They would typically let him in. But because he's not well liked in his community, he's hated by his community. We can see that with the response of how people treat him later on. He knows, I'm not going to make my way through that crowd because someone's going to hurt me and nobody's going to claim they did it and the crowd will disperse and I could be dead. So he's not going to work his way through the crowd. So what's his solution? Well, I'm going to run on ahead in front of the crowd and climb up into a tree. So if you were to go to Jericho today, this is the tree that they would say Zacchaeus climbed. Now, is that the tree that Zacchaeus climbed? No, it's not even 2,000 years old. But you could find a nice little souvenir stand right next to it, buy some souvenirs, take a picture with the tree. They won't let you climb it, so don't do that. But at the same time, it is nice to see a sycamore tree in Jericho to kind of give you an idea of the kind of tree that he would have climbed. So what Zacchaeus does is he runs on ahead of the crowd and he climbs up into this tree. It doesn't have real tall branches so he can get up in there. But also, what is he trying to do? He wants to hide. He wants to hide. But I want you to understand that Zacchaeus was not going to allow any obstacle to see him. There was a crowd. Okay, he couldn't get through the crowd. He couldn't see over the crowd. So what's his solution? I'm going to run on ahead out of eyesight of this crowd. I already mentioned before, in the Middle East, men don't run. They just don't do that. But also think about, even in our culture, wouldn't it be weird to see somebody like Bill Gates climb the tree to see the Macy's Day Parade? Yeah. Newscasters would be like, what is Bill Gates doing? And so it's the same thing for him. It was odd for a rich and wealthy person to go climb a tree, but he was not going to let anything keep him from seeing Jesus. He was dead set on seeing Jesus. Why? Because he knew there was something special about Jesus and he wanted to see it. So he runs on ahead of the crowd. He climbs up into the tree and he hides there just so that he can see Jesus. So the question for us this morning is what obstacles are keeping us from more clearly seeing Jesus? What is it in your life that's keeping you from encountering him in the way that you're supposed to? Our friends and family, are you afraid of what they're going to think of you? Maybe they don't follow Jesus and so you have had a hard time fully committing to him and dedicating your life to him because they think you're crazy. Maybe God has put in your heart to go serve him in an overseas location, but your family has not encouraged that. And so you say, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. But Zacchaeus says, there's not going to be anything that keeps me from him. What's keeping you from wholeheartedly following Jesus? Jesus knew for the rich man what it was. It's not that you really have to sell everything and give it to the poor to follow Jesus, but if it's keeping you from following Jesus wholeheartedly, maybe you should. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let anything keep you from following me. Don't let humiliation keep you from following me. It was humiliating for Zacchaeus to run ahead, climb a tree. Surely people saw him, but he wasn't going to let that keep him from following Jesus. What are the obstacles in your life that are keeping you from following Jesus with everything that you are? Because if you see following Jesus as the greatest invitation you've ever been given, you will not let obstacles keep you from receiving it. You won't let it. And if you understand that following Jesus is the greatest opportunity you've ever been given, the opportunity, the invitation to follow him, the greatest thing that you could ever have been asked, you will joyfully receive it. 
You will joyfully receive Jesus. That's your natural response if you know that this is the greatest thing I could ever do. You joyfully receive Jesus. As you look at Zacchaeus, he's up in the tree. And he's up in this tree. And, and if you have, ever, have you ever thought about how is it that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name? You ever thought about that? Because all of a sudden there's this interaction where he says, Zacchaeus, you, you need to come down from that tree. And if you look at that, so some of us could think, well, usually here's kind of the deferred thinking is, he's the son of God. He knows everything, right? The only problem is, it says in scripture, he emptied himself of his divine nature. That the way that he did the miraculous is he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because for 30 years, Jesus wasn't doing the miraculous. Not until he was empowered by the Holy Spirit did he start doing miracles. And guess what? That same empowerment is offered to us. Man, may we go after following Jesus like Jesus did. May we be empowered by his spirit to do what he wants us to do in this world. But let me inform you. He did not know Zacchaeus' name because he pulled the son of God card. He didn't do that. What commentators would say is the reason Jesus knew his name is because people in that crowd, they saw Zacchaeus in the tree. You could see from the, the sycamore tree picture that there's ways that you could have seen somebody climbing up in that tree or, or seeing them once they were in that tree. And so they think that people are probably heckling him in the crowd. Why they didn't like him? Look at Zacchaeus, he's up in the tree. They could have been throwing rocks at him. They didn't like this guy. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I must go to your house today. Isn't that amazing how Jesus can change an interaction, something that's hostile and he brings peace to it? And he does it in such a way that he brings value to a person the crowd hates and says, Zacchaeus, I want to go stay in your house today. And what does Zacchaeus do? He knows this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I joyfully receive you, Jesus. I want to go and have a banquet for you in my home. So the question for us this morning, do we receive Jesus like that? When we come here on a Sunday... Do we come simply out of rote routine and going through the motions or do we come expecting to encounter a living God? When you look at scripture, there's guaranteed places of encounter. We read about him. Luke 24, that passage is up there to remind us that he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Do we go and take communion as the Lord leads us because we want a fresh encounter with Jesus today? Do we go forward for prayer and pray with people because we can have a conversation with a living God? Do we sing praises knowing that God is enthroned in the praises of his people, it says in scripture. All of these things that we do on a Sunday morning are for the purpose of saying, God, we know that the overarching promise of scripture is your presence and we desire your presence in our lives. It was in the Garden of Eden, we had you in an uninhibited manner. We know we're going back to Revelation one day where you are our God, we get to be your people, we live with you. And in between, we want a taste of heaven every time we meet. Do you approach Jesus that way on a Sunday morning? Do you approach Jesus that way on a Monday morning when you spend time with reading God's word where it says it's God's breath on us, it's breathing on us? Do you approach him that way as you spend time in prayer? I think Zacchaeus, when you look at the life that he was living, he knew that his best life that he could live was a life with Jesus in it. And so he joyfully receives him. He joyfully receives him. The best invitation, the greatest invitation we've been given in life is to follow Jesus. And if we know that, we joyfully receive Jesus every day, every day. And the greatest invitation we've ever been given, it's one to follow Jesus. And if we know it, then we change the way that we live. 
We change the way that we live. If we know that the greatest opportunity is a life lived following what Jesus tells us, if that's our greatest opportunity, then we change the way that we live. Look at what Zacchaeus does. So when you look at this passage and you read what what Zacchaeus is doing after Jesus gives him this invitation to follow me, then what does Zacchaeus say? It says, and there's no pause here, but Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. So there's this understanding in this passage that Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus in his home. He holds a banquet for him. These people are there. They're having a party. And in, that, in the midst of that, Zacchaeus stands up and here's what he says. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Notice that Jesus didn't ask this of this man. Notice that after Jesus enters into Zacchaeus' home, It's not like people then handed Zacchaeus a copy of the Ten Commandments and said, okay, now go start doing this. No, what does Zacchaeus do? Out of a natural response for following Jesus, he just does the next right thing he knows to do. He knows, I should take care of the poor in my community. He knows, I should repay those of whom I've stolen from. And so his response to Jesus is he changes the way that he lives. And I think he changes the way that he lives because he was tired of living a minimum life. And he says, I want to live a maximum life. Think about the difference for him. If he goes and gives half of what he has to the poor in his community, if he goes and pays back four times the people of which he stole from, do you think he's afraid of going through the crowd anymore? That community says, wow, that guy is different. And now they embrace him as one of their own, no longer as an outcast and a tax collector. I really think Zacchaeus was tired of living a minimum life. And he said, I want to live a maximum life. And I know that it's in Jesus. Every one of us at some point needs to come to grips with saying, Jesus, I don't care to live a minimum life anymore. Maybe I entered into the kingdom by asking the question, what's the minimum I must do or believe to receive eternal life? But now we need to transition that question to say, how can I read your word and maximize my life in you, King Jesus? Because what kind of impact do you think Zacchaeus started to make on the community in which he lived? I'm sure that community was transformed. Why? Because one life was changed. The question for you today, your life changed, what impact is it making on the community in which you live? What impact is it making on your neighborhood? What impact is it making in your workplace? Because it should. If you understand the opportunity to follow Jesus is the greatest opportunity in your life, it should change the way you live. Following Jesus is the greatest opportunity any one of us has ever been given. Greatest opportunity. And what are we doing with it? What are we doing with that invitation? Are you seeking the minimum or are you going after the maximum? I can tell you, if you start reading scripture in light of the maximum life that you can live, it will change the way that you read it. And you'll start getting instructions on what's the next right thing that I can do for you, King Jesus. And watch as the environment around your life begins to change. One of the things that uh, uh, Shelly and I meet with people periodically, you know, maybe their marriage is struggling. And sometimes it's even just one spouse that's seeking resolve and not the other. And it's never been a surprise to me. What's the instruction that we give? Start living like Jesus and watch as things around you begin to change. Don't even try to change the other person. You change you and watch how everything around you changes. Nine times out of 10, as long as somebody follows that advice and they start seeking after God with all that they are, with everything that's within them, pretty soon things around them begin to change. 
their marriage starts to get better. Their parenting becomes a little bit simpler. Why? Because God is doing something in their life and he starts doing things through their life. How is the environment around you? Are you seeking life to the minimum with Jesus or do you want to go after life to the maximum? When we talk about extraordinary living, that's what we're talking about. How are you following Jesus? Um, Shelly, as we were singing, can I have you come? Do you want to grab a microphone? Sorry, I didn't bring this up to you at all. <laughs> but she was thinking about, as we were singing that song, Amazing Grace, what a great song as you think about Zacchaeus. Do you think he could have sung that song? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. And Shelly was thinking about those in this room whose God's life has touched. And sometimes we need to see that. There's, there's power in the testimony of a believer's life. Um, do you want to share a little bit of what you were getting a sense of as we were singing that song? Well, there's, there's somebody that we've been praying for and, you know, hoping that we'll have interaction with this gal and hoping that she'll come. And we never know from week to week, you know, will she be here? And that's kind of the disadvantage of sitting in the front because then you don't get to see everybody when they walk in. But anyway, she's always on my mind. And this morning, um, I just really felt like there was somebody in this room that needs a miracle, but maybe they doubt that God will do a miracle for them. And so I just kind of had this picture in my mind and I just leaned over and mentioned it to Zach. And, and since I'm here, I'm going to just go ahead and act on that. Um, but with that in mind, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, maybe there's somebody here in this room right now and they need a miracle, but they really don't believe in miracles, then would you play along and, and go along with me on this? And you don't have to say anything, but if you know that God has done a miracle in your life in just this last week, would you mind standing? I know that one. How about in the last two weeks? about in the last month? Well, look around. Somebody just sit in the balcony. How about in the last six months? Okay, if you're here and you doubt that God does miracles, just look. If you know God's done a miracle in your life in the last year, two years, three years, just continue to stand. 15 years, 20 years. Hmm. Our God is an active God. And when Zach mentioned that the scripture breathes on us, that's just what I had a sense of this morning when we were singing that song, the atmosphere is changing. Hmm. But if you don't know that God does a miracle, and you don't understand that there's a shift. And sometimes I think it's because those of us who have had the miracle, we're not responding to an active living God as if he has done a miracle and we have something to be happy about. And we have something to be grateful for. And I know that for us, you know, am I super grateful that God opened my womb and gave me three children, not just one, but three and so I just think we need to be mindful that there are people around us who need to know a little bit of what God has done in our lives. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to close in song. 
as we think about the response of the rich ruler in Zacchaeus. Here's the difference for me. One trusted Jesus and, and one couldn't. So as you, you stood here this morning to say God was active in my life this week, the last two weeks, in the last two months, three months, in the last couple of years, may we wholeheartedly trust God. Because when you think about Jesus asking that question, the one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. The invitation is followership. That's the invitation we have. And yes, and, and eternal life comes with that because it's followership for a lifetime. But we get to follow him now. The question is, do we trust him with everything? So you would say, well, Jesus doesn't ask that of everybody to sell everything they have and give it to the poor. And I would say, you're right, he doesn't. But I'd also put before you, but what if he did? Would you still follow Jesus? And all it comes down to is trust. Because I am convinced if we sold everything that we had, if Shelly and I sold everything that we had and gave it away, God would take care of us. And I'm also convinced of that because he has. So we already have a history of that. And now I would just put before you, can you trust God like that? Who says, don't worry about the food you're going to eat, the clothes you're going to wear, the, the drinks you're going to have. Why? Because I take care of the birds. I clothe the lilies better than Solomon. Put your trust in God today wholeheartedly. And that's how you transition from living a minimum life to a maximum life in Jesus. It's all about trust. So I'm just going to put before you this morning, with every head bowed in this room, two invitations this morning. The first is this. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but you did it under the pretense of, I was really, if I'm honest, seeking more of a minimum life. I just wanted to get to heaven. But today you'd say, but I want to transition that to trust, full trust in God to live a maximum life. If that's where you find yourself this morning. Just raise your hand and I want to pray with you before we go. Just that God would give you that kind of faith and trust in him to say, I want to maximize my life in him. I don't want to go after the minimum. I want to go after the maximum. Anybody here today that say, that's me. I want to pray with you before we go. A number of hands. Anybody else that would say, I want to follow you that way? Hands in the middle. Anybody else? God, I just pray that you would go before us. Lord, I pray you'd be steadfast in your name that we would seek a maximum life in you, not a minimum. Lord, I just pray that we would put our full and complete trust in you today. We've seen evidence by people standing that you do the miraculous today. And so God, I just pray that we would trust you, trust your provision, trust the plan that you have for our lives and that we'd go after it with all that we are. May we hold nothing back from you, King Jesus. Lord, I pray for all those that raise their hand. I pray for an extra measure of grace and faith and trust in you today. Lord, that they might know you, that they might begin to do the next right thing they know to do and trust that as they do that, that things around them will begin to change. Lord, help them in that way, I pray. Now, for those in this room that maybe you've never made that decision, but today you'd say, I want to follow Jesus. I know that my best life is in him. And today you've realized that that really is true, that you want to respond like a Zacchaeus. Anybody here today that say, I want to follow Jesus. I just want to commit my life to him. I want to commit my life to Jesus from now into eternity. God, I just pray that you would help us to truly commit to you wholeheartedly. God, I just pray that we wouldn't be uh, Christians because our, our household, the family we grew up in was. Lord, I pray that we'd be Christians because we know that you're the son of God and that our life in you is the best life that we could ever live and that we are granted eternal life because of who you are. 
And so God, I pray that we would commit wholeheartedly to you today. We'd hold nothing back from you, King Jesus. Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray that we'd sing it to you. Lord, I pray that we would sing knowing that we can encounter you in song. And Lord, I pray that we would continually take next steps of devotion to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.